You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. Well, howdy, New Heights Church. Thank you for tuning in for another conversation in our series through 2 Timothy. We're doing a mixture of sermons on Sunday and online conversations. And uh, tonight we have with us C.J. Adkins. And so, C.J., thank you for being with us and um, and recording this for us. And um, I, I've, I've loved the uh, the interactions um, that we've got to have with, with lots of different pastors and ministers um, in this series. And so we appreciate you coming and sharing some wisdom with us. This, and we're going to be talking about Second Timothy chapter three. We're going to cover the first nine verses tonight on uh, tonight's broadcast. So, uh, CJ is is a longtime friend of mine. Um, we, I guess, we met ten years ago when we were starting the church. I, th- I think that was probably well. I, I remember when you were a youth pastor over at Ham. Okay, yeah. So we I do go back further the first, than that. Yeah, first yeah. I remember. Yeah. So yeah. So CJ's. How long have you been pastoring at Westmoreland Baptist? Uh, it'll be twenty years in December. Okay. So CJ's been pastoring at Westmoreland Baptist in Huntington for twenty years, and um, yeah. So I was a youth pastor at Hamlin Baptist, which is in the same association as Westmoreland, and. Um, Gosh, yeah, that's that's been a while been a back now. Yeah, yeah. So we go way back, and um, CJ and the church family at Westmoreland um, were just so gracious to us, especially when when our church was getting started, um, especially when we branched out and did multi-site and started a Huntington campus. Um, a lot of times, pastors can can feel a little bit territorial, um, and and you guys were so great at just welcoming us, even when we ministered in Huntington. Um, You've had me preach at your church, which is a bold move. Not not a lot of people are brave enough to do that. And um, and Westmoreland financially supported New Heights, too. And so we just wanted to begin this broadcast by saying thank you to you and thank you to Westmoreland Baptist and the Saints there. Um, you guys have been a, a great blessing to New Heights. Well, we, we constantly keep you in our prayers, and it's uh, just wonderful. It's my first time in this particular building. Yeah. And God's done great things. Yeah, he has. And we've got a TV studio in our in our building. It's pretty nice. We're big time, aren't we? Yeah. Um the what the viewers don't know is this is like a closet in the back, but um <laughs> but it looks it looks high tech to them. So well hey, tell us a little bit about your family. Um one of the things I want to talk to you about today, CJ, is is your family um and gospel legacy just in your family. Um your your kids and um kind of where you come from. Well, um, originally uh, born over in Logan County uh, at Holden in Logan, West Virginia. And my father at that time, uh, out of fresh out of the Navy shortly after World War uh, II, mm-hmm. um, was ordained into the ministry. He got, he got saved after he was in the Navy and was ordained in the ministry in the Free Will Baptist Church. Uh, in Logan County. I've and got some history with Free Will Baptist. Yeah. I was ordained by a Free Will Baptist Church. Well, so, so was I originally. Yeah. Um, I uh, I grew up in that church and uh, wonderful, wonderful people and uh, uh, still, uh, still stay in touch with a number of them. But um, at any rate, we moved to Huntington when I was two years old, 1952. I'm, I'm 71 years old now. I know certainly don't look. I would have never guessed that you were that old. But uh, you're kind. <laughs> But um, anyway, we moved to Huntington in 1952. Dad uh, took a job at uh, what we called the nickel plant back then, Huntington Alloys, mm-hmm. um, and uh, got out of the coal mines and moved moved to Huntington. And um, so uh, I grew up in Huntington, uh, as I say, in, in the Free Will Baptist denomination. I uh, went to Free Will Baptist Bible College in Nashville, now known as uh, Welch okay. uh, College. And um, I 
then after that, Tri-State Bible College over in yeah. South Point, and uh, took uh, classes from Southern uh, uh, Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, and uh, uh, so I've I was on like the twenty-six year education plan, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but a lot um, of pastors do that. Yeah, uh, but anyway, we uh, like I say, we grew up in Huntington, and um, uh, my my dad was a pastor. Uh, he passed away about. Uh, about eight years ago, okay. a pastor and evangelist. Uh, mm-hmm. Primarily, he was an evangelist. He preached at churches all over the tri-state and as far away as Michigan and Florida, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I grew up in a Christian family. Came to know the Lord uh, when actually I was uh, almost 19 years old. I was a freshman at Marshall University, uh, political science major, and uh, had uh, pretty well had my life mapped out. To, yeah, you know. Uh, be governor of West Virginia, and I'm glad I really? did because I probably would have ended up in prison. There's like, still time. Yeah. There's still time for you to do that. <laughs> no, that that's not too important to me anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, but anyway, we uh, uh, I was uh, I enrolled in Marshall when I got out of Huntington East High School, graduated, and um, uh, and the Lord graciously saved me um, in uh, October or well in March uh, of 1969, hmm. and um, uh, from that point on, my life has yeah. changed. You know, I grew up in church, yeah. knew, knew all the Bible stories, right. you know, yeah. knew all the songs, and you know, and all that, but didn't know Jesus yeah. until about two o'clock in the morning on the fifteenth of March, yeah. nineteen sixty-nine. And it was uh, later that year I was uh, feeling his call into ministry. Oh wow! And I thought. You know, I know people are going to think I'm doing this because my dad right. is a minister, and uh, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to do it. Uh, what yeah, I've right. seen dad go through in, yeah. in my life, but uh, uh, God was uh, uh, God was uh, incessant in His uh, dealing with me, and um, so I eventually I kind of put the fleece out before Him and said, "If uh, Lord, if you if you want me to preach." I need theological education, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was any any way possible. You're too young to remember the BBF, but it was kind of a knockoff of McDonald's, fifteen cent hamburgers, and all that. I was a I was an assistant manager to BBF in Huntington, okay. And I thought there is no way I'm going to be able to go off to Bible college and do all that. Well, uh, about ninety days later, I was sitting in Nashville, enrolled, and you know, <laughs> God specializes in the impossible. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, uh, that that was the beginnings of my my ministry and so forth, and um, uh, eventually I, uh, uh, after pastoring uh, two or three uh, Free Will Baptist churches mm-hmm. as a bivocational pastor, yeah. uh, I eventually um, uh, felt like God was leading me to uh, to find a Southern Baptist church to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we did, we found one in Ashland. I, by that time we'd moved to Ashland, Kentucky and we found one there, became part of second Baptist church there. And from that point on, I just, uh, kind of, uh, God led me through a maze. Yeah. And now, I know and you've been very involved in Southern Baptist life and, um, which, which leads to being involved in a lot of church planting and, um, a lot of the good ministry uh, that the denomination does. And um, you mentioned going as a student to Southern Seminary. Can you tell us a little bit about being involved with New Orleans? Oh, sure. Um, uh, my uh, and, and by the way, on the family thing, mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, a son. 
uh, two sons. One yeah. is a pastor of a Baptist church in New Orleans yeah. area, and his son, Quint, uh, is a music composer. He's also an ordained minister, uh, worship leader, and, and a yeah. speaker in a lot of youth groups and all that. So we've had four generations of Baptist uh, yeah. preachers in our family. Uh, Jay was in New Orleans Seminary. He he went down there to uh, to go to seminary, and uh, uh, I ended up being nominated to serve our state, West Virginia, as uh, a uh, a member of the Board of Trustees at New Orleans Seminary, mm-hmm. which thrilled me to to be able to do such a thing. Yeah. And it was a learning experience as well as right. any kind of leadership thing. But also thrilled me that at least four times a year, I got to spend a little right. time with yeah. the, my son and grandsons right. down in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, we're blessed with five grandsons. Uh, the, uh, my other son is a teacher and coach. Uh, in Kentucky, Ashland uh, Paul Blazer High School, okay. and he's got two, uh, three boys. Uh, one's a quarterback up at Glenville State. Uh, the other one plays football and basketball at Paul Blazer High School. And the other one's a ten-year-old, and he he's going to beat his brothers out at everything. <laughs> and then Jay's uh, Jay's two sons down in New Orleans are, are uh, both musicians. Okay, and. Um, all of them are believers. I've had the opportunity to help baptize two or three of them. Praise God. And uh, so God has just blessed our family. Yeah. And that's uh, – I ended up getting nominated to serve uh, uh, a five-year term on the Board of Trustees in New Orleans Seminary. And as the SBC allows, at the end of that five, uh, I was a, I was elected to serve another term. So I spent ten years down there okay. uh, getting to know uh, Dr. Kelly – uh, the, Who's the, the president, right? The president, yeah. and of course, uh, all of the uh, faculty and, and staff. Uh, I love that place. Yeah. Uh, well, and and maybe for some of our listeners who might not be as familiar with this, the, the Southern Baptist Convention has six seminaries, which are uh, just flagship institutions that train the next generation of pastors. And so one of the things I love about your ministry, CJ, is that, that you have for a long time invested in the training and the bringing up of the next generation of pastors. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about uh, Second Timothy and Paul's second letter to Timothy, because not only do we see that um, in the Bible, we see it modeled in your life. And you and your wife, Linda, um, how long have you been married? 51 years. 51 years. All right. So you guys have been married 51 years. You've got a legacy, uh, a beautiful legacy in your family, um, but also in your ministry that you've you've been able to impact a lot of people directly and indirectly through theological training and through um, just the equipping of people to be in ministry. And so um, I'm so thankful for, for people like you that do that. Um, and and really, I wanted to uh, – tell me, tell me about um, – Coddle is is your name, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about this Coddle name and how that's been passed down. Because there are five of you, right? Right. There are five Coddles. Yeah. Um, and Quint is the fifth one. That's he's why he's fifth. called Quint. That's why he's Quint. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my grandfather Coddle Atkins Senior uh, was from Lincoln County, West Virginia. Oh, bless his heart. Uh, he sounds like a great man. He uh, grew up uh, <laughs> upon Fourteen Mile Creek, yeah. in deep dark Lincoln County. Right. Yeah. And um, of course, he was a uh, he was a, a American soldier in World War One over in France and so forth, and uh, uh, his uh, oldest son, he named James Millard, but his second son was my dad, and he got Cottle Atkins Jr. <laughs> and so when uh, 
Uh, that, they, that seems unusual that the second son yeah. got the got the junior title. That, that was odd. Yeah. And the third one was Sammy. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, all were family names, you know. Right. And uh, but Dad was junior. And then uh, when I was born, I was the oldest of his three sons. And uh, rather than uh, uh, rather than just them, he wanted to name me after him. Yeah. Uh, but they also didn't want to offend my other grandfather, Jerry Stidham, who at that time was in the House of Delegates in West Virginia from Logan County. Okay. And so they named me after both grandfathers, Caudle okay. and Jerry. There you go. And then called me CJ. So, All right. But. Uh, as as time goes on, you know, I, I swore I'd never do it to my child, but to my oldest son, yeah. Jay, who who we call Jay, he's uh, Coddle Jerry the yeah. fourth. And, and then uh, at that point, you can't give up on it. At that point, no. Once you once you get as, as deep in as that, and so Jay's oldest is so his, his Coddle first, as well. His first son is the fifth, yeah. and we call him Quint. Yeah, that's great. Well, and and so not only do you have those interesting stories in your family, but you you have this legacy of, like you said, Baptist preachers, four generations of, of Baptist preachers, um, in in your family. Yeah. Um, I want to see. I think we can do this. If not, maybe we we could skip over it. But I want to see if we can throw up a picture. Um, can we do that, Baker? Can we put a picture on here? Baker says we can. Um, I want you to get me that picture so we can put it on the screen of um, you preaching, and cowboy boots straight up in the air. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and tell us the story I'll, behind I'll this picture. <laughs> that was uh, that was down at the Central Free Will Baptist Church in Huntington. Uh, it was a fairly new congregation at that time. Yeah, uh, nineteen seventy. It was about nineteen seventy-six or so. And my oldest son Jay uh, would have been about three years old. And that's, and that's his boots up in the that's air. That's his right? boots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, uh, it was, uh, I was just preaching in one of the services there. I was an associate pastor. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the, uh, the pastor's son was a great photographer. I mean, he made thousands of, of pictures back in the early days of that church. Yeah. And uh, he made it from back in the, in the uh, auditorium there. And <laughs> on the end of the pew are these little cowboy boots just <laughs> sticking up. Jay yeah. had uh, laid down on the front seat and gone to sleep. Yeah. And, of course, I tell everybody he was slain in the spirit. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's hopefully uh, – I love, I love the image, though, because it shows that, that kids that are, that are maybe a little rowdy or, or a little bored in, in church services really grow up to, to grab hold of the gospel. And, and, of course, those cowboy boots – I don't know if he still wears cowboy boots but he's pastoring a church yeah. now and continuing that legacy um and so that's what second timothy is about we're going to jump into chapter three mm-hmm. and let you share a little bit of insight um not fully exposit it but just share a little bit sure. about what we see in in this text and um really our theme what we're leaning into this month as a church is is we want to we want to be a part of that legacy and as a 10 year old church we realize we're, we're pretty young in this endeavor but we want to we want to have like the young the young children of our congregation Congregation with their with their boots up in the air. We want to see them become uh, great men and women who reach lots of people for Jesus. And so, let me just read the uh, the first five verses of of chapter three. Uh, Paul continues in his letter to Timothy. He says, "But understand this: that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless." unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, 
treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Now you have it's kind of a depressing list you have there, but you have uh, Paul really painting the picture of what the next generation is going to have to um, to minister in. And so, um, you know, you've you've uh, you've been on this earth seven decades now. Um, can you share with us what what's Paul saying here, and and maybe how have you also seen that play out in your life? Sure. Well, he starts out talking about in the last days. Now, I I tend to believe um, that uh, the the last days would have been, in in the vast scheme of things in history, the last days would have begun probably with Jesus's ministry here on mm-hmm. here on earth, um, and will conclude when he comes for his church. Right. Uh, but if that is the case, we certainly must be in the last hours of the last days, um, uh, considering it's been almost, well, about 2,000 years mm-hmm. uh, since he went back uh, to heaven to prepare a place for his people. Um, the uh, the true emphasis of this chapter, uh, this passage in this chapter, I believe, are uh, two things, knowledge and responsibility. Knowledge in knowing, being aware of what is going on in these last days, and then our responsibility as to how we act and react according, uh, according to those things. And you know, there he says uh, in in the last days, uh, perilous. King James version says perilous times, mm-hmm. difficult times, uh, are going to come uh, as these days draw to a close. And uh, the word there uh, that is translated in in the ESV is. Dangerous. Uh, uh, it actually, uh, the Greek word there is actually uh, dangerous, savage, or uh, hard to deal with times. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's interesting that that the uh, the Greek root word there is the same word that is used over in Matthew chapter twenty, uh, chapter eight. Verse 28, in talking about the demonic possessed man in the country of Gadara uh, that uh, confronted Jesus, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that we read about there in, in Matthew 8. And that's the same word that is used to describe him. And so we know, I mean, he was just a wild man yeah. and totally out of control, totally under the, uh, the control of a legion of demons, right. not, not just one demon. Right. And so it's interesting. Paul uses the same terminology there to talk about these last days being dangerous in that um, uh, it would be uh, uh, you know it would be a demonic influence mm-hmm. in our in our world and I think we have to understand that that it is sure yeah so yeah um, and it's it's a it's a scary scene that, that Paul paints and I think um, you know earlier in the letter Paul says, you know that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but right. one of, of of power and love and self control. And so you have this um, this terrifying setting that we're told we're going to be in, but we're equipped by the Spirit. Um, let's read verses six and seven. Um, it says, "For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women." burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Um, 
So th- this could be potentially even a little bit confusing. He, he, they're capturing weak women, um, so he's he's getting specific with his descriptions of what he thinks is going to be uh, prominent in the last days. Um, so what's going on here? Well, obviously, this this demonic influence that he's talking about, and we we've got a whole laundry list of what the characteristics would be of uh, of these individuals in the last days, um, but that. Uh, they are uh, obviously. Uh, it's uh, he, he uses an example about uh, silly women. Uh, that doesn't mean all women, of course, right. and and it doesn't exclude men who are also influenced uh, by it. There, uh, but they would be individuals that uh, uh, it, it's it's going to be not only in our homes and our families. Obviously, it's a satanic attack on the family which is the first institution God gave to the human race, mm-hmm. but also in the business world and in our culture in general. And we're, we're seeing that today, uh, the characteristics uh, such as lovers of their own selves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, uh, disobedient to parents, and without natural affection. Um, that obviously has to do with um, – with um, uh, sexual sin, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, falling into that category, uh, you you may remember back several years ago there was a lady down in a woman down in South Carolina uh, named Susan Smith, and she had her um, little children that she put them in their car seats in in the back of her car. And she drove to a lake there in in South Carolina near their home. She got out of the car and sent the vehicle into the lake, drowning the children. Uh, We read about a woman a few years ago in Houston who drowned her three children in their bathtubs. And uh, that's the kind of thing where it's talking about lack of natural natural affection mm-hmm. and not just i mean homosexuality that that is obviously a real right. thing mm-hmm. uh and uh one of the things without natural affection and it even uh, specifies uh, people having some homosexual relationship right. well now we've legalized it to, even to the point of marriage mm-hmm. um and so th- this is this is a thing but also without the natural affection that a mother would have for her children and we're certainly living in times like this, uh, the wholesale abortion that mm-hmm. has uh, been uh, legal uh, since uh, 1973 mm-hmm. uh, in the country. Uh, thousands of uh, unwanted babies have yeah. been murdered in their mother's womb. So that without natural affection is a, is a powerful thing that we see all around us today. Uh, but and like I say, it's not just in our homes and our families, uh, but also in our culture in general. And then uh, some of those other characteristics there: truce breakers, people who uh, who won't even try to agree on anything, slanderers, folks who will tear down uh, the reputation of others, um, and uh, with no self-control. I think we see plenty of that in the days that we're living in today. Uh, it talks about being heartless and. Um, uh, well, just there, there's there's a lot of characteristics that we read, and you've yeah. you've already read it, but um, uh, this, uh, like you say, it doesn't uh, mean all women, obviously, but that um, uh, he uses an example of how easy it is uh, for these um, false teachers 
to slip into homes where people are not grounded right. in the Word of God. And I think what a, what a tragedy we have today in that even among our, our people, uh, so many are just not rooted and grounded in the Word of God and can easily be taken away. And it's not just women, but mm -hmm. uh, men can be uh, so included. Uh, and, and he says, placing an emphasis on learning Always trying to learn what some new thing, yeah. but never coming to a knowledge of the truth mm -hmm. uh, of the gospel. That sounds like mankind as a whole, doesn't it? Oh, it and, does. And especially, the, I, th I think you see the progression of that throughout history. There's a sense in which, like, you know, we know the truth of like Ecclesiastes, where the preacher says there's nothing new right. under the sun. That's right. Um, so, so there are no like new sins. Um, we know that, but th but there is also a sense where we do see this progression um, away from our Creator and away from um, God's ways and His values and His principles. And um, and I think I think this is Paul trying to prepare the man that he had discipled Timothy to prepare to sure. be to be a minister in those times. Um, so, yeah, can you finish out the passage? You have verses 8 and 9 there? Uh, 8 and 9, yes. Uh, and then it, uh, he says, Just as uh, Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men uh, corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, uh, as was that of those two men. Now, you know, really to understand who these guys are, who are these he guys? He comes out of left field with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you To understand it, you have to be familiar with the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter mm. 7 through 9. And uh, these were, uh, we understand that these were the Egyptian magicians mm -hmm. who opposed Moses. God, You remember God sent Moses down to Egypt to tell the most powerful man on the planet, yeah. let my people go. Right. And, uh, and so Moses uh, uh, was equipped with the power of God to do miracles and so forth. And we read about these Egyptian magicians who opposed Moses by imitating him and the miracles he did. You remember mm -hmm. the, the serpent when he threw right. Aaron's rod on the ground and became a serpent? They threw rods on the ground and they became serpents, but then Moses' serpent swallowed them up. Right. You know, and they did several of those miracles, imitating uh, turning water into blood and even the calling the frogs out of the mm -hmm. river and that kind of thing. Uh, we have to remember that Satan is an imitator; mm. he's a counterfeit, yeah. and he will imitate the things of God uh, to the point that simple-minded folks who are not grounded in the Word of God will see these things and be impressed and, mm -hmm. you know, follow this demonic influence. Yeah, and I think that's so telling because in a lot of the the culture that's pressing in that's, that's anti-Christ, that's antithetical to the gospel, yeah. it's seen as a very kind, warm, loving oh, yeah. culture. Um, and, and I think it's very clear. Bi and, the Bible and, makes and it clear it's dangerous. Logical. It does, yeah. Yeah. And um, and the Bible makes it clear that you know ways that are apart from God's values and God's morality are actually very dangerous to yes. us. And um, Satan really has you know fooled fooled generations to think that these are good and and uh, and warm things when actually they're they're quite dangerous. And these these false teachers in the last days that Paul talks about mm -hmm. will have this counterfeit religion that that has a form of godliness like you're talking right. about but denying the power 
thereof. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they would deny the authority of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I thought always made Billy Graham such a powerful uh, and effective preacher was uh, you would hear him over and over again saying, the Bible says, right. the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet today, that doesn't mean a lot to people. Yeah. Oh, it's an old, outdated book. You yeah. Know. No. It's the it's the never never dying word of God, That's right. and and so uh, they'll be substituting human wisdom and conventional wisdom, uh, and uh, Paul Paul uses the term uh, in one uh, version of reprobate, mm. which is means uh, tested and found to be counterfeit. You yeah. know, so uh, this uh, Janus and Jambres were eventually judged by God, and so will these false uh, religionists. Uh, in the last days that we're, that Paul is talking about here, and I believe we're in those days. Yeah, sure. And I think um, what's interesting is is you see, and I think you can attribute this just to the Holy Spirit. Um, but you see, when people hit a crisis or hit a trial or circumstance, um, and they they have an inkling of where to turn, they might not know everything they need to know about the gospel. Um, but like we've seen as people come to New Heights and, and join the church or come in to hear the gospel, um, that a lot of times like the most attractive, attractional thing of New Heights Church is that we preach the Bible. Yeah. Um, so we got these little connect cards that every time someone comes, it's their first time, they'll fill it out. And by far the most common comment, because we have a comment uh, or a question of, what did you like most about the service today? Um, by far the most common thing is you preach the Bible. And I find myself asking, like, are there that many churches that don't preach the Bible that, you know, they, they show up and they're like, hey, this church preaches the Bible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it really is just to be faithful, you know, to exposit the Word of God. Um, it, it impacts people, and it, and it changes their worldview to a point that they can see what real knowledge is and, and what real value and what real um, commitment to to a higher message really exactly like. right we've we've experienced the same thing through the pandemic we uh, i told you earlier god has blessed us with many new members and many of them most of them have made comments about i'm impressed by the messages that are biblical yeah mm-hmm. that you know uh, not pol- not political not uh, philosophical right thus saith the lord yeah you can't and not to not to shoot you down too much, but I think people people will figure out they're not looking for CJ's advice or That's Will's exactly advice, right? right. They, they right. want to know what's the what's the Lord have to say for my life. Yeah. And, um, well, so in, in conclusion, I wanted to just ask you um, what are what are some you know pieces of advice you could give New Heights Church? We oh, we're well. ten years old. We want to we want to make it at least another ten years. Um, and so we want to continue, you know, on a, on a long journey of, of gospel faithfulness um, with gospel legacy. And so um, maybe just give us some advice. How can we as a church continue to do that? Well, first of all, it, it's been a joy to kind of uh, partner with you over the years, yeah. and sometimes in small ways, but always as prayer partners and so forth. Of course. Uh, to continue on in uh, being uh, having uh, the d- discipling ministry uh, obviously evangelism nothing happens till somebody gets saved mm-hmm. but one you know the second part of the great commission bapti- baptizing in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and then the third part 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So uh, the uh, grounding people in the Word of God, they just they need to know what the Bible says and how that applies to their daily lives. And I, I know you're preaching. I know uh, that's exactly what your goal is. And uh, that would be my advice uh, to this church. Uh, if the Lord tarries his coming back uh, for another six months or yeah. 60 years, right. to be faithful to proclaiming God's word. Thus saith the Lord. You look at the prophets in the Old Testament, the Hebrew prophets. It always started out with uh, not uh, now. Here's my opinion, or here's yeah, the right. here's the political, uh, uh, you know, uh, thought in this. What's God say? Yeah. And how does that apply? And that we have a high view of Scripture and know that it's not just an old, outdated book. It is the living, breathing Word of God. Uh, his His breath, His breathed Word to us, and it's profitable to us. For the way we need to live yeah and uh, i could go on yeah i know you could well cj thank you so much um, for taking some time to just bless our church and um thank you even even in ways that it hasn't directly impacted us thank you for just investing in the kingdom um it means a lot to us and so praise um, praise the lord new heights thank you so much for tuning in tonight uh, we're going to be continuing in this series called carry on as we continue to work through this letter of second timothy um you heard it from pastor cj uh, we are called upon in the word of god to be deep disciples to be devoted disciples of jesus and so um let's, let's just call you to that tonight uh spend some time in prayer tonight about how you can devote yourself to discipleship and so being discipled but also how you can disciple others and so uh, commit some time to praying for that and um, if you have any questions or you need any help with that please reach out to one of the pastors and let us help you with that so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon we hope you enjoyed the podcast to learn more about new heights church or a relationship with christ please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com